Welcome to Raise the Line with Osmosis.org, seeking solutions with leading experts on how to increase healthcare capacity so people can get the care they need during the COVID-19 crisis and beyond. Hi, I'm Shibri Bani. 2022 is the first year step one of the U.S. medical licensing exam is being administered on a pass-fail basis. And as a result, more students are expected to take the exam earlier than usual. So studying for the test is surely underway as you listen to this. Because of the difficult, high-stakes nature of these tests, students turn to a variety of sources for help in studying, and today we're joined by the solo founder and CEO of one of the major resources in this regard, TrueLearn. Dr. Joshua Courtney founded the company in 2009 and based its approach on using cognition science to advance learning and enhance memory retention. Prior to founding TrueLearn, Dr. Courtney started ComBank, which is currently used by over 90% of osteopathic medical students in the country, to prepare for the Comlex USA exams. It's a pleasure to have Dr. Courtney on the podcast, and I'm sure you'll enjoy listening to him as much as I have enjoyed getting to know him over the last few months. So, Josh, thanks so much for taking the time to be with us. Thanks, Shiv, and the feeling is mutual. So I'd like to, uh, you know, I obviously know a lot about your background as an anesthesiologist and how you got into med school, but can you tell our audience, you know, how you started a career in medicine, chose anesthesiology, and then founded a very successful company? Yeah, for me, um, I guess my first exposure to the role of the physician was actually really young. When I was a kid, I was diagnosed with childhood leukemia. You know, we lived in rural southwestern Pennsylvania and uh, commuted for years regularly to Children's Hospital of Pittsburgh. And so those physicians became my heroes. They saved my life, literally. But I never realized, I think, growing up that medicine was even an option for me. Nobody in my family was in healthcare of any kind. And so I really attribute my liberal arts education, Washington and Jefferson College, as a really special period for me when it opened my eyes up to this broader scope of what opportunity looked like. And I, you know, describe it as, as almost a period of renaissance for me in so many ways. When I started college, my wife and I, we had our first son. I was 17, I had to grow up quick. So the more success I had, the more confidence that I got. And this really pushed the envelope for me. And I think a lot during those four years happened, which ultimately led me to the CDC for a period of time before I ever decided to go to medical school. So by the time I, I got into medical school, I think that uh, like most medical students, I was thrown in this arena and it really took some time for me to get my bearings on, on really how to survive and be successful and then ultimately to kind of find my course. And that was anesthesiology for me. That's really interesting. I actually did not know about the childhood diagnosis. So uh, a lot of people I know we've had on the podcast who wound up coming from families where there was no immediate medical connection, you know, had their own personal uh, interaction with the healthcare system, but glad that those physicians, are you still in touch with any of them by any chance? Or There's a phenomenal day when I was in my final year of residency in, in, in anesthesiology, and uh, I was in doing my pediatrics rotation, and I actually went down to see those guys, and um, there's one of them that still came in, Dr. Albo, and uh, to be able to come down and see him after 25 years and say, look, I'm here today, and you saved my life, and you inspired me, that was a special day for me. That's amazing, and probably many of the students he's interacted with since then have uh, used TrueLearn, which is kind of cool. So speaking of TrueLearn, can you talk to us a bit about how you started the company and what differentiates it? There's a lot of you know, question banks and test prep companies, and I'm very impressed with the data behind what you've done with TrueLearn, uh, but maybe tell our audience more about that. Yeah, absolutely. So for me, I mean, if you really look back and I'm a DO and at the time, you know, we were studying for complex exams, but using a lot of resources, obviously, for USMLE. And, and so, you know, in preparing for, for an examination, really got to appreciate the, the real detail around 
how the exam's constructed and the craft and the blueprint and every little minute detail that makes that examination special. And I think that, you know, one of the things that we do first and foremost is that we're in the business of empowering students and we've always been a student first business. And really that's continued even as we've started to work with institutions and multiple medical schools over the years, and they become our primary customers. And so I think for us, it's about every detail of, of the test item, staying really in tune with that licensure exam, how it's evolving and uh, how public health is contributing and, and impacting that examination. And so for us, we are very data-driven, but at the end of the day, in addition to being data-driven, that data has to be used for a purpose. And that data for us is to really empower students and to be able to learn how to uh, spend the most impactful time they have when they're learning. So it's, it's actually making a difference and it's actually making a real impact. It doesn't just feel good. And you'll hear me come back to this, I think, multiple times in this idea that, you know, learning is a contact sport and it requires burning calories and effort. Totally. You know, my own personal experience starting osmosis, I know, you know, in other conversations we've had, it's very clear mm -hmm. that. Well, the way medical schools have traditionally been structured is very passive learning, minus the clinical clerkship times. And companies like yours and products like yours and Osmosis are very much focused on active learning, as you said, a contact sport where you're you know, engaged in doing deliberate practice. So, you know, I started the intro by talking a bit about step one going past fail. You know, would love to hear your view. Also, like all the products, I mean, I'm also impressed with the diversity of products TrueLearn has. You're complex, you assembly, you have a lot of board exams. PA, NP, et cetera. So can you give our audience a bit of an overview of that? And then maybe your philosophy around test prep uh, as well, just given that it's top of mind for so many current and future healthcare professionals. Absolutely. And so, yeah, I mean, as we've evolved over time, we recognize that the foundational principles that uh, I think make us who we are in our DNA, they apply to a lot of different healthcare fields. And, um, you know, we're really connecting with students really early these days and um, a lot and often. And when you connect with somebody and stick with somebody through, I mean, years of licensure exams, our product suite now, for example, for the medical student, we start working with them very early in their first year of medical school, all the way through that specialty board certification, which oftentimes happen upwards of eight to 10 years later. And so there's a lot of licensure exams that take place uh, over the course of that time. And, you know, I think for us, the same foundational principles of deliberate practice retrieval and, um, you know, starting to really gauge yourself as a critical thinker. Um, and that comes down to, you know, making decisions in preparation for your licensure exam and on these multiple choice questions. That builds a lot of trust if you're successful over time. Not only does it work, but then when you're in a position when you're in the hospital and you've got to make some decisions you built credibility with yourself because you know you've been successful, you've seen yourself improve. And again, it's just, uh, it's a constantly becoming a self-regulated learner and taking the data, um, applying it to making some real changes that have a very high impact. And so we stick with those learners, whether it's, you know, our physicians and medical students, you know, whether it's our physical therapy students, um, we really get locked in early and want to see those students through their end goal. And the end game for them is uh, obviously our medical students and matching into not only a residency, but the right residency and the right specialty, and then ultimately securing the job that they want ultimately. So we really celebrate those stories over a lot of years and a lot of different touch points over time. And speaking of touch points, you work with a lot of programs, right? Um, anesthesiology programs and surgery programs and medical yeah. nursing PA schools. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Because I mentioned 
you know, you have over 90% of osteopathic medical students who are using ComBank, the flagship product of yours. Um, right. Any other kind of stats you're willing to share that you're proud of, given you know, the touch points you have with admins and faculty and how they use TrueLearn? I'm really proud of the fact that, you know, we've served 60 million practice questions last year, which is a lot of testing. And the reason that's really important is because it uh, gives us a lot of data and not a lot of data on our test items, but also a lot of data that our customers can use. Uh, students use that data themselves. And then our institutions, of course, use that data not only to help their students individually, but also in aggregate too. And so, you know, when you have basically the entire country, you know, taking hundreds of thousands of practice questions in those critical months leading up to the licensure exam, there's some really profound insights that we can get and that we can feed back to our institution. So I think as we pivoted and moved really to working very closely with our residency programs, with our medical schools and institutions, it's built an alignment where it's bringing interest together between faculty who are using our test items in the classroom, uh, administrators and deans who are able to get insight into their learners and set them up for success. And also the trust with the learners to know that we have their best interests in mind, their faculty have their best interests in mind, and we're all aligning to get to the same outcomes. And so it's been really great to see that all come together and to see uh, faculty come together with administration and their students and do it on our platform. It's been very rewarding, I think, for everybody here at TrueLearn. Yeah, no, I mean, it's a pretty incredible 60 million practice questions served last year. You know, one of the reasons we launched the podcast, the main reason was obviously because of COVID. We're coming into our second year of dealing with the pandemic here in the US, uh, third year globally. And I'm curious, how has COVID impacted TrueLearn? Uh, everything from how you work with schools and students and programs to even your team. I know you have this great office in North Carolina. I've been fortunate to meet a number of your teammates like Kate and Rob and the wonderful people. Uh, you know, have you been distributed? Like how have things worked for you all with COVID? Yeah, you know, we've been uh, almost fully distributed. We have a core team that still comes here. Uh, I've been at the office every day and, and um, I'll tell you, you know, we've been working asynchronously. And so we've had to adjust just like so many organizations, just like our customers have had to adjust. And um, so we're all in this together. And I think for us, for me personally, I, I can tell you that I miss being on site with our faculty and students. I, I miss being in the community. I miss spending time with you. I miss spending time with, um, I miss people. Um, and so I think for me, I've, I've definitely had to adjust. Our organization has had to adjust and learn how to still be uh, effective, empathetic, and work well together in, in a team setting when we're not you know, in the same room together. And I think we've all been dealing with that. And in, in addition to you know, having to deal with being distributed Last year, I know you made this major announcement of bringing on the Picmonic team as part of TrueLearn. And, you know, we're obviously huge fans of Ron and Ken, and they started Picmonic around the same time we started Osmosis. Yeah. How has that experience been, like bringing on an entire team during COVID, integrating cultures and all of that? And I think we'll have Ron, by the way, on the podcast in a couple of months, too. I think we're scheduled to have him and talk about Picmonic. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, no, it's been a lot of fun. And um, I had the, the fortunate opportunity in between these spikes to actually spend time with folks at Picmonic. You know, our entire leadership team went out to Phoenix, you know, and spent a few days there. So that was fantastic. And that was really important for us. But um, yeah, integrating two cultures, you know, we're the larger organization when we acquire Picmonic, but they do a lot of things that we like. And so we've taken this best in class approach to say, hey, 
what are some things we can incorporate that Picmonic does really, really well that we can learn from and vice versa. So I think the two organizations have come together nicely and, um, you know, we're excited to kick the new year off strong. We fully integrated our teams and fully integrated the organizations at this point and uh, exciting for us to look forward in the future in terms of how we're going to integrate the products. Yeah, no, we're really excited about that because as you know, we've worked with Picmonic and done both product integrations and marketing integrations for years. I think very highly of the team and, and obviously as we've gotten to know TrueLearn and your team, same thing. So this year will be very interesting to see. Um, back to COVID and the fact that you, know, you are a physician and an entrepreneur and a founder, what are some of the higher level lessons you think the healthcare system or even educational system have taken away from COVID? And what would you like to see stay as changes uh, in the coming years, you know, online learning, telehealth, those kind of things have come up um, versus maybe hopefully go away, like the masks, hopefully those finally go away in the near future. Yeah, so I think COVID has really done something very important for our system, and that's try to break it in every way possible. And so it's pointed out a lot of uh, chinks in the armor and mass vulnerability in so many different ways. But I think the most profound way is and the one that's most important for us to remember is just this fragmentation of knowledge, in fact, in science and data. And I think, you know, to those of us in healthcare, that means something. You know, we are taught to question everything when it comes to studies. You know, is the study double-blinded? Is it randomized controlled? So we we try to poke holes in this data. And I think the fragmentation and the misinformation has really been a problem. And hopefully it's something that you know, starts earlier in the way that we educate our healthcare professionals. And so we are fully in sync because when a system is as strained as it is today, arguably very unnecessarily, I think it, it poses the question of, can we train physicians uh, right now in an optimal way? Probably not. Are we operating in a healthy capacity? No, we're not. Over 50% of our hospitals right now today are overwhelmed. And um, so fortunately, there's been a decouplization between hospitalizations and, uh, and case volume, which has been fortunate. But it's certainly for us, I think, you know, as we step back and look at fact and we look at, at data and we look at, you know, moving forward, it's the fragmentation that I think has led to a lot of the uh, regression in so many ways and pointed out a pretty big vulnerability for us. Yeah, totally. And I mean, even a year or two years ago, in the heart of the first or second wave, we were hearing about physician burnout, nurse burnout, shortages. And even before COVID, the same things were being talked about. And now we're in like, I don't know, I lost track of how many waves and this wave seems to be even worse. But you're right, the decouplization has been helpful. And hopefully, if we have more waves, you know, the decouplization will stay. I just want to commend you and Rishi as well, because I think you guys recognized really early this was happening and you've been really, really raising the line. And I know that's where this podcast, I think, got started, but you guys have really been out there and uh, sending the right messages and doing the right thing. And it's been commendable. It's been great to watch it and uh, be a part of it from afar. So I commend you all. Thank you. Yeah, it's been we're 250 plus episodes and leaders like yourself in education, healthcare. Um, it's been a lot of learning and we actually were starting to write a summary of all the things we had learned over the past year. And then Omicron came out and we're like, okay, well, let's hold off on that summary just a little longer until we you know, know if we're out of this thing or not. Um, so like you all, we're a teaching company. We love to fill in knowledge gaps. I'm curious, are there specific topics you wish med schools or other health professional schools would do a better job covering? For example, one thing that comes to mind for me 
is that when I was at you know, Hopkins Med, we had three days of nutrition education. And that would make Hippocrates, the father of modern medicine, turn over in his grave because he said, you know, let thy food be thy medicine. And I was, I was just shocked how little nutrition education we received. Of course, we weren't training to be nutritionists, but at the same time, if we didn't even know the basics of nutrition and still using the food pyramid, which is antiquated, you know, we wouldn't be great advisors or behavioral coaches for our, our patients. So anything come to mind is things you wish you could snap your fingers and every current or future healthcare professional would take a course on to learn to be a better clinician and improve patient outcomes. Yeah, absolutely. One thing that's very passionate for me is uh, the physicians better understand the brain disease of addiction and uh, understand how to treat people with addiction, whether it's opioid dependency. I think those uh, individuals get lost in our healthcare system dramatically. Um, I think it's profound, um, the lack of time that we have in the classroom. And, and so there's a lot of progress, I think, being done within medical schools themselves, but the brain disease of addiction is very profound. It's uh, definitely very pervasive in our society. And I think as doctors, um, we don't get as much training and understand it in the way that we need to, so we can get these people the right help that they need. Totally. With COVID dominating the news, we forget that we also have the opioid epidemic kind of tearing through our communities and, and obviously alcohol is, is there too. Two recommendations I have just based on that. We had Rich Morgan, Dr. Rich Morgan on our podcast a couple weeks back. He's at New York Institute of Technology, College of Osteopathic Medicine. And he actually lost his medical license because he got addicted to opioids and then was prescribing them. And very open, vulnerable conversation he gave because now he's back working at NYT Com, working on his, getting his medical license again and teaching students in a very heartfelt way about his own struggles. <laughs> Do you know, have you heard of him or um, I don't know if he's come across your radar? I'm not. Yeah, I'll be sure to follow up and send you the podcast link. He's a great person. And if you want an intro at some point, uh, that's obviously what he's dedicated his life to now is addiction medicine. It's fantastic to see those people come forward and, um, and that has to be difficult, but um, it's a very brave thing to do. And yeah, I would love to love to get to know. Totally. I'll make a note to follow up. And then another podcast rec is a guy named Rich Roll, who I had not heard of before, but um, he was just on the Tim Ferriss podcast and has a very interesting thing where he reinvented himself in his 40s and talks about how he he's 52 now. But at 31, he had this moment of clarity where he was very much addicted to alcohol and he speaks openly about all of that. Um, so, yeah, I, when people get through the lows of the addiction and then come out of it, it's very inspiring for sure. So I know we're coming up in time. So I had two other questions for you, Josh. The, the first is, you know, obviously our audience is primarily future healthcare professionals. What advice would you give to them about pursuing their careers in healthcare and meeting the challenges of the COVID pandemic and beyond? Yeah, so first and foremost, we've seen so much change, right? And you brought some of the change up with, and this is prior to COVID, we had exams moving to pass-fail, um, first USMLE, then COMLEX. We've had exams evaporate from the planet, like USMLE, uh, Step 2, CS, and COMLEX Level 2 PE. And so there's just, there's profound change. And when there's a profound change, even the way that students are interacting with their faculty in the classroom, um, you know, these things are outside of our locus of control. And, you know, my advice, I think, to any student right now is put aside the distraction and seize the moment because the moment is now. And, um, you know, build great people around you. You can go fast alone, but to go far, you're going to need a great network and resources around you. And so there are people like myself and like you, Shiv, I know, who really get inspired by being there and being the mentors and being able to help support students who are struggling because we know how important those mentors were for us along the way. And so I would just say, you know, lots of distraction, lots of things happening, 
stay focused and uh, keep your eye on the prize, keep moving forward, be positive and, um, you know, control what is in your locus of control. And, and part of that's building a great network and a great team. Uh, you're not in this alone. I love that. I mean, that, that African proverb for sure speaks to me. And again, one thing I've always been impressed with you and truly and as I've gotten to know you all better, especially with Ron and Ken joining your team, is the great people you've surrounded yourself with. And again, I can't speak more highly of people like Rob Samora on our product and tech and Kate Campbell on the sales side. We're pretty selective and, you know, we bring in people in the organization at the end of the day who are like-minded from the standpoint of authentic, well-intentioned and really have our students and our schools in our hearts. And so we build a great team. Really proud of that. Totally. I can't agree more. I mean, certainly osmosis uh, wouldn't be where it is without focus on people. My last question is, is there anything else you'd like to be able to share with our audience on the podcast today before we let you go? No, I would just, uh, you know, I'm grateful to be here and, um, you know, for somebody like me to have had the opportunity for this organization impacted so many students and, um, and hopefully so many profound ways and just to be a part of these stories over the years. And um, I think we started, you know, organizations around the same time and um, that wherewithal to, to have gotten this far and to be here with you today, Shiv, and see how far osmosis has gone to, but really proud of that. And, um, you know, really excited what, what the future looks like for our students and schools and, and for our organizations too. Likewise, Josh, I mean, I really appreciate not only you joining us on the podcast, uh, but more importantly, the work that you've been doing for over a decade to raise the line and improve healthcare education, help train tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of students who are on the front lines now as professionals, you know, achieving their personal dreams, but also helping respond to the COVID pandemic. So with that, I'd like to thank you again for taking the time and thank our audience for checking out today's show and remind them to do their part to flatten the curve and raise line since we're all in this together. For more information on how you can help raise the line and flatten the curve, go to osmosis.org slash COVID-19. If you like this podcast, please share it on your social channels. You can also subscribe to the series and check out all of our podcasts at osmosis.org slash raise the line podcast.